We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. This is the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. I'm Eric Balkman from the High Stakes Fantasy Football Hour and the FFPC. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Balkman and the FFPC on Twitter at FFPC. This week, I'm talking with Habib Agbatoba, the first ever back-to-back winner of the Football Guys Players Championship, a contest that features nearly 11,000 teams. For his overall championship in the competition this year, he won $500,000, and his career winnings in the FFPC alone total well over $800,000. You can follow him on Twitter at Skywalker2000. In this episode, we found out how he built this half-million-dollar winning squad, why a huge mistake almost cost him the grand prize, and his thoughts on what first-round high-stakes drafts will look like next year. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everyone that you can get a listeners-only 30% discount to a Rotoviz NFL Pass through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all of the Rotoviz content and tools, and it supports the podcast channel. The NBA is back in action, and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. 
Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the U.S. visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore Total Visits. So, it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. Now, without further ado, here is Football Guys Players Championship back-to-back overall champ, Abib Agbatoba. Talking with uh, one of the, you know, he, he's going to say that he's not because he's very modest, but one of the elite minds and one of the greatest accomplishments in high-stakes fantasy football history joining the road of his high stakes lowdown this week, the winner of the 2020 Football Guys Players Championship in uh, a half million dollars that goes with it. Ladies and gentlemen, the, the slant here, this guy won the whole competition in 2019 as well. Back-to-back in a major competition. Abib Agbatova, welcome in and congratulations, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Eric. It's a pleasure it- to be here. It's wild because the last time we did a podcast together, it was, I believe, the week before um, you won the Football Guys Players Championship last year. And then we didn't have you on because we just interviewed you. So there's, you know, we, we, we kind of knew how you built your team, how you did everything. Um, and then um, now, since we last recorded a podcast, you've won a minimum of $750,000, including two <laughs> national championships, which is just baller to me, just unbelievable. Has it sunk in yet? What what, what was that like on, on Monday night? You know, honestly, it, you know, to be, it, it really hasn't. Uh, I mean, uh, the last week or so, especially with the games being on Friday and Saturday, Sunday, Monday, I mean, it's just been a whirlwind of events. And uh, it's been, you know, somewhat tough to process with, uh, with, with fantasy football and just life in general in terms of, you know, the amount of things that are going on all at once. So uh, I'm hoping this weekend, you know, heading into the New Year's, uh, it'll really just sort of kind of allow me to appreciate and, uh, you know, allow everything to kind of sink in. But as of now, I'm, I'm still kind of uh, in awe. I'm still very much speechless and still very much, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, just kind of humbled by the uh, whole experience and the uh, and the outcome. I think it's you know, in my mind, I mean, there's quite a bit of luck that kind of goes into these last three weeks, uh, and I just feel very fortunate to to even be in this position. But, but yeah, well, yes, it's been an amazing ride. Well, let's um, we'll just recap for the listeners if you're not familiar. The Football Guys Players Championship had more than eight thousand teams last year. Uh, Abib wins that two hundred fifty thousand dollars in his pocket this year. Almost eleven thousand teams. Five hundred thousand uh, dollars goes to to the Abib Fund here. At what point during the season this year, man, did you did you realize that you know what? Maybe I maybe I could go back to back here. As insane as that sounds, you know, I think we, you know, anyone who signs up for these tournaments, I mean, that has to be the ultimate goal. I mean, that has to sort of kind of be the main objective. So, you know, kind of throughout the season, I mean. You know, I had a number of different teams. I think I did uh, quite a few more teams than I did last year. Uh, and every team you draft, uh, at least 90% plus for me anyway, you know, you feel like it has a shot. Uh, and, and ultimately it comes down to those last three weeks. You know, are your players going to, you know, have their highest production in those last three weeks? 
and, and sort of kind of propel you to the top. But uh, I guess, you know, kind of midway through the season, you know, I think we all kind of get a good feel for whether or not uh, our team has a good chance of making it. Uh, but the NFL is tough just in general. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of us, you know, me in particular, view it in quarters. You know, you see teams sort of kind of excel or players excel for the first three or four games, and then there's sort of kind of a shift. And whether it's the league catching up or, you know, offensive change, you know, you know, changing or, or players getting injured, it, you know, it's it's rare that a player just excels 16 weeks out of the year, with the exception of maybe McCaffrey last year and LaDainian Tomlinson, you know, years back. But that's a rare feat. So, so. I think it, it, it's 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 tough to kind of know at any one point in the season whether or not uh, a a team of yours is going to win it all. I think the main goal at first is to just get as many teams into the tournament as possible, and then I think once you do that, you kind of get a good sense. And from there, it's just you know, can I get a three week run? And so I guess if kind of going back to your original question. Uh, you know, when did I kind of have an idea that I may have a shot? I think it was obviously Christmas Day uh, when Kamara blessed us all with uh, with six touchdowns. And I think, you know, I went through all my teams, all my Kamara teams, and I said, okay, I, I got one. And I think <laughs> that's when I figured out that, uh, okay, there, there was maybe a shot. I, you know, what's it? Okay, so, so what's interesting to me here is um, – I was, you know, I do all these, the, the, the FFPC, um, newsletter blasts that, that go to everybody's email every week that's subscribing to it. And I often give a recap of what's going on in the main event, what's going on in the football guys players championship. And I do remember a couple of times this season, um, pointing out like, you know, oh, this guy's leading it right here, but, or, or, or whatever, but watch out for a V-bag Batoba won the whole thing last year. He's in fourth right now. He's in seventh. And I, and I thought to myself, and I never even really seriously entertain it, but I'm like, God, how crazy would it be as if, if we had a guy go back to back in this? And then I just put it out of my mind. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. And then sure. And, and I'll be honest with you. I wasn't even like, I was watching a lot of my own fantasy team selfishly mm-hmm. during the, um, the bills Patriots game on Monday night. And then I'm, I'm following Twitter and I'm like, Oh my God, that, we could get a back-to-back here. And then everybody's like, it's a lot. Congratulations. That Skywalker 2000, you got it. This is, I'm like, oh my, this is just historic stuff here. Unprecedented stuff. I'm going to continue to fall all over myself, uh, complimenting you on the podcast. I'm going <laughs> to save some for later. Let's, let's talk about that Monday night game. So I went back and listened to um, when you co-hosted the High Stakes Fantasy Football with, uh, Hour with me last year. And you talked about how you didn't have any players in the Monday night game in, in week 16. And you said, you know, maybe I'll get a massage, maybe I'll do something else, but, but it's tough to, to watch a game where you don't have any action in and you know, you can only go down. You can only get leapfrog, but that was not the case this year. So knowing that you had players going, how was the viewing experience different from, from 2019 to this year when you had action going? Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely say it was quite different. Uh, you know, I was fortunate to have, you know, that particular Monday be a very busy day from a, you know, from a variety of uh, standpoints in terms of work and family and things like that. So there was plenty on on my plate to sort of kind of keep my mind somewhat, you know, <laughs> away from the uh, potential of, of maybe, you know, taking down back-to-back uh, championships. But uh, I remember as soon as I got home, you know, I was kind of debating, do I watch this game or do I not watch this game? <laughs> and I think, of course, like any of us, I, you know, the first, I turned the TV on immediately. And so you know, <laughs> I was definitely, you know, sweating, sweating, sweating bullets throughout the uh, entire game. But I, honestly, you know, what kind of kept me sane through it all is I, I approached it the same way that I did last year. At no point did I ever look at the leaderboard. So honestly, I had no clue where I was in terms of points, uh, in terms of what I needed, or or where where I stood among the rankings. Now, obviously, you know, I have, you know, some friends who are uh, in FFPC and and just kind of through Twitter, getting you know, getting some uh, some messages through uh, through that uh, throughout the day. I you know, I was aware that I was in contention, but I had no clue if I was already there or if I was only a few points behind. I had no idea, you know, what other teams around me were doing in terms of, you know, if we had the similar players and things of that nature. So 
you know, with with so many teams and and so much that can happen in a given game and so many variables, I, I just didn't want to put that much burden and stress on myself. So I figured, you know, just watching the game, knowing I got two guys going, and then I just just hope that those two guys can put up some points. To me, was uh, was 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 more than enough. Yeah, and and obviously, you know, it was, uh, which is good, and I think that's probably the proper way to approach it. Oftentimes, you know, and I know we pair our our teams down. You know, you play multiple leagues, I play multiple leagues, and you kind of know what you're rooting for in week 15 and week 16 more so than what you know you're rooting for in week three mm-hmm. or seven or ten. You know, it's it's different because you know which which are your uh, are your better teams. So I think that's the, the proper way to do it. I want to, you know, and, and this could have been a sore subject. It wasn't because you ended up winning the half million dollars. But this, this could have been a big mistake for you. And, and I think I know how you're going to answer this, but I do want to get your thought process on the tape here. Benny Snell and James Conner, both on your championship winning team. You chose to start one of them and sit the other. You started Benny Snell, and you sat James Conner. Benny Snell, six carries for zero yards, no catches. Uh, James Conner obviously has, I, mean, I don't want to say he blew up, but he got a double-digit performance. And I went on your Twitter to see if you posted anything, and I just see the big Snell with the exclamation points <laughs> after you know, it, you know his, his performance was, was not going to plan. So tell us a little bit about your thought process uh, in starting Snell over Connor. And then at the point, did, I mean, did you kind of think like, oh, my goodness, I just cost myself a half million dollars on this? Uh, I, you know, the answer to that is, is pretty simple. Uh, if you can, if you recall last year, uh, I had a kicker, one kicker. Oh, yeah. Brett Maher. He scored zero points. Uh, not just for week 16, but for week, week 15, both week the 15 last and two 14. weeks. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> and so I thought to myself, you know, what better way to go back to back? And, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you know, what, you know, it, it was just, it's just my signature win in terms of just getting a zero in the lineup. I felt like right. it would be a good luck charm, but no, in all seriousness, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I definitely didn't take that route for that reason. Uh, you know, it, that was the toughest probably lineup decision I think I've had all year. Um, I was fortunate enough and lucky enough, and you got to be uh, in these situations to sort of kind of, you know, be able to, you know, get first place out of thousands of teams. I was fortunate enough to have Pollard uh, start the week before, and so that was an obvious and easy decision. Connor was out the week before, and so I kind of fell in the uh, starting snell. Uh, but obviously Zeke came back for week 16, and so I kind of eliminated Pollard, and, and then it just kind of came down between Snell and Connor. And, and it was a tough, tough decision because I think at any other point in the year, I probably would have gone Connor. You know, when he came back from his first injury, it to me it was an easy choice to go Connor. But there was something different about this. You know, watching that week 15 game, I really felt like uh, uh, they leaned on Snell a bit uh, he was involved involved a, a little bit more in the passing game, and to me, it almost seemed like a changing of the guard, or them or them wanting it to be a changing of the guard, especially with Connor's contract being up. Uh, and they've just you know they struggle running all year. Their offensive line is is, is probably more suited towards uh, the passing game than than run blocking itself. And so I felt like you know they were going to try and give Snell a shot. And in watching the game, I felt like that's actually what they were trying to do. You know, not that you know who starts matters, but Snell was out there the first series, and he may have been out there the second series. But I guess the one thing that I didn't account for that I probably should have was uh, the potential for for them uh, being down and, and and knowing that Snell's not a third down back. And I think once they went down by double digit scores. At that point, we saw a lot more Connor. Uh, he, you know, was obviously in there on uh, most of the passing downs. Uh, and then eventually, you know, they started throwing him a few screens here and there. They, you know, after, you know, multiple pass attempts in a row, they eventually ran, you know, ran some draws up the middle, which opened up uh, the run game a bit for him towards the end. And then, of course, he fell into the end zone after uh, Snell had been uh, – uh, had sort of kind of uh, been prevented from uh, cracking the goal line on a couple of attempts. So uh ended up being the wrong choice. Uh, you know, I, I definitely beat myself up over it, but I think, you know, I think the thought process 
to some degree was right. Uh, and again, knowing that I didn't know where I stood <laughs> and I wasn't going to check if I didn't win, uh, hopefully I wouldn't have kind of come to the conclusion that if I didn't win, that it was going to cost me, uh, you know, 500,000. But, but that was sort of kind of the thought process behind that. And I think that's important too because, and, and I've, this is something I've learned playing, you know, fantasy football now for almost three decades is, is you don't, you don't, I, I, I stopped being ticked off about the results, Abib. Like I don't really, you know, whatever happens, happens. It, you know, if you're batting, if you're getting 60% of your calls right, I mean, that is amazing. That's really good. When you form teams that are deep, when you form teams that are as dominant as, as yours are, it's very difficult to, to play 100% of your optimal lineup each and every week. And I think the, the thing is that I look back on, and I think this, this is what I'm getting from you too, is when you look back on a decision like that, you want to make sure that you made the correct decision, not because of the result, but because you made the best possible decision with all the information in front of you at the time. And I think you did. Um, I, I had one... You know, it's, it, what's crazy about this decision, I had one league where, you know, I was playing for like third place or something. It, it wasn't a, a title or anything, but I had to make the same decision. And I ended up playing Connor over Snell, and I didn't really follow that Steelers game too close. And I, I was just, it was eating away at me because I'm, I'm watching Red Zone or whatever. It was eating away at me. I'm like, man, I think I made the wrong call. I probably should have started Snell. I never should have started Connor. And then it turned out like, oh, I, I, I guess Connor was the right call. But you, all you can do is is trust your process, which obviously over the last two years, um, it's worked out for you. And, and you just got to roll with the punches, essentially, which is what you did. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think we, you know, uh, we always talk about kind of, you know, potentially going with your, your gut feeling and your gut call. And I think sometimes that gets a little poo-pooed or uh, talked down on as if you were sort of kind of making a decision uh, without using uh, your head or without using sound thought or sound thought process. And to me, you know, my gut is sort of kind of an accumulation of, of everything, you know, stats, you know, how players doing, reading between some of the tea leaves in terms of coach speak and whatnot. Uh, and, and ultimately, I try to, you know, get as much information as possible and then try to make the best decision based based on that. And so, uh, you know, but like you said, you know, you, you got to be you got to be able to live with your uh, decisions because, uh, you know, playing as much fantasy as we as, as you do, as I do. And as people pro- probably listen to this podcast, do uh, you know, we're going to make wrong decisions, you know, but as long as we kind of grow and learn from those wrong decisions and as long as we feel comfortable in those decisions, I think uh, it saves us, saves us saves us a lot of grief in the long run. Yeah, it's it's part of it. What makes it maddening and what's so fun is is um you know these decisions that that will inevitably you know I think we we don't necessarily look back on the great start sits. We look back on the ones we got wrong over absolutely. the years. Absolutely, those, absolutely. Those, those are the ones that eat away at you. Um, I think this. I think you already answered my next question. The Connor versus Snell. That was your toughest lineup decision of Championship Week for this team. Absolutely. I mean, and part of that kind of came down to uh, injuries and just, uh, you know, I think uh, the only real uh, other option I think that I had were uh, maybe uh, DJ Chark, uh, who, who wasn't in the greatest matchup and his QB situation was kind of in flux and ever changing. And I just didn't really feel comfortable, uh, you know. So, I mean, having Kittle come back for week 16 and, you know, holding on to him for that long. I mean, there was just there's just no way that I was not going to put him and incorporate him into the lineup, uh, even on a limited uh, pitch count. And, you know, luckily he, you know, he provided just enough. Logan Thomas, you know, has been on fire. Uh, It was a struggle (laughs) watching that game, but uh, fourth quarter, and then especially after the QB change, he ended up uh, coming through. And then the other, you know, Calvin Ridley, the Deontay Johnson, and uh, obviously the Stephon Diggs starts uh, those guys were just, you know, were, were, were fixtures in my lineup uh, all season long. So this was, you know, honestly, this is one of the easier teams when it came to setting lineups, which is good uh, to some degree, uh, you know, especially at the tight end position. I think the only other tight end I had on my roster was Jordan Reed. So uh, that made that week 15 decision, you know, easier to start Logan Thomas, whereas if maybe you had someone like, uh, you know, a Hunter Henry or, 
or, you know, somewhere kind of a mid-tier tight end too. You're certain, you know, you're going back and forth. Do I start, do I start Fant or, or Henry or Logan Thomas? And, and, you know, who knows, you know, what that call would have been. Uh, and if I had one of those guys, I probably wouldn't be here talking to you today. Uh, so, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, again, that just kind of comes down to luck of the draw. Um, I, I should, I'm be remiss if I didn't mention Abib's, uh, winning lineup here in week 16. This, this put up a 219.2 in FFPC scoring. Josh Allen was a quarterback in the backfield. He had Benny Stell and, uh, Alvin Kamara. The receivers were Stefan Diggs, Deontay Johnson, Calvin Ridley. Um, Justin Tucker was the kicker. The defense was Kansas City. At tight end, he had George Kittle as well as Logan Thomas. And that's sort of where I want to, uh, go with my, my next question here. Um, he was a bright spot for you at the end of this season, and not just for you, but for anybody who was starting Logan Thomas down the stretch. They was, had to certainly be uh, very satisfied with the production that he was giving the Washington football team and his fantasy owners. Um, in a bad season for tight ends, Logan Thomas was really good the last month. How likely is it that that last month, Abib, makes him locked in as a top six, maybe a top seven tight end guy in drafts in, in the FFPC next year? You know, I think he's probably going to be the uh, 2021's version of Hayden Hurst and, uh, and, and uh, oh, okay. And Tyler Higby. Uh, in terms of, you know, honestly, I think it'll depend on kind of what his ADP is. Uh, I think he, you know, you can definitely make an argument to have him sort of kind of, you know, in that grouping of, you know, 7 to 10 uh, or 7 to 12. Uh, I, I don't think he top, you know, you know, reaches, you know, sort of kind of that high second tier uh, group. I think that that team in general is a young team, and and, and I anticipate, you know, uh, players sort of kind of taking it to the next levels. Uh, for instance, Antonio Gibson, uh, J.D. McKissick, who they seem to love. Uh, we're not really sure what the quarterback situation is, is going to be, but obviously, you know, Terry McLaurin will be another year in, uh, uh, Antonio, uh, what's the, what's the uh, young kid's name? He just started this, started this uh, past week. Andy for, Gordon, for, for Washington, for, for Wash at running, yeah. or at, at, at running back. Oh, um, um, uh, not Sims. It was, um, uh, why, why is this Gandy, escaping me? I think it's Gandy Golden. I, I, Oh, Antonio Gandy Golden. Antonio yes, Gandy Golden, yeah. And then I mean, yeah, you can even mention uh, Cam Sims too. I mean, he looks like a a, a potential uh, a threat at the wide receiver position. So I think you know, it's funny because I ended up drafting Logan Thomas in quite a few leagues, but it took a it took a lot to get me onto him. Uh, we, we may have talked about this last year, but I have a close friend who I do these FFPC leagues with, uh, named Dr. Dayo Addison. I gotta you know I gotta mention him. Uh, and we have these heated discussions about players, uh, and it's about the most random players that I think if anyone else were listening to these conversations, they would think to you know, think to yourself, you know, why are you guys even talking about these guys? But we wanted to try to find the next Darren Waller, uh, you know, for 2020. And I was sort of kind of the pro Jimmy Graham guy, as somebody who was cheap and and free at the end of drafts. And then he brought up the name Logan Thomas, and he kind of fit our formula. And it took me a while, but eventually, you know, I kind of got, you know, got on board. You know, he was in an offense that lacked a lot of receiving threats. He was the number one tight end, you know, uh, ex- ex- expected to see uh, a large percentage of the snaps. And he was more of a receiving tight end than a blocking tight end. Uh, and in that particular offense with that you know, offensive coordinator who – who tends to, you know, uh, uh, distribute a, uh, a significant amount of uh, the uh, targets to to the tight end position. Uh, we felt that like he had the potential to, you know, have somewhat of a breakout year. And and he, I mean, luckily he hit. You know, even at the, his first, I think it was his, either his first or second game, uh, he put up, uh, you know, uh, I think seven plus targets or so. And us sort of kind of, you know. Running through the, you know, running through uh, the potential for Logan Thomas being a breakout early on allowed us to really, you know, you know, add him in in, in teams and leagues where we didn't already have him, and and allowed us to feel comfortable starting him as opposed to thinking it was sort of kind of a he was a one hit wonder. So, but you know, 
you know, I guess getting back to your you know, previous question, I think I'm I'll probably see myself uh, staying away unless his ADP drops. And I think if, if there's one thing that I learned from this year, it's that I either want to get one of those top tier tight ends or I want to uh, probably play the waiting game and, and get whoever falls to me in the later rounds. And that's always sort of been my strategy as well, because I, I feel like, you know, your your floor is, is pretty high if you go one of the, you know, the top three. Although this is the first year I got burned on Zach Ertz mm-hmm. in a lot of my leagues, because um, I have always been drafting him as a top three or four guy. And finally, he fell off the uh, the, the cliff this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I've hit on a lot of those mid-round guys before, too, at tight end. So I think there's a lot of value in that, especially in the FFPC tight end premium format. Um, getting back to the um, team construction for this squad heading into the championship round where you don't have any waivers. You've got to be locked into the 20 players you choose. Um, Chiefs defense was the only defense you had. You kept three quarterbacks on this team. In addition to Josh Allen, you also had Ryan Tannehill. You also had Taysom Hill. I think we know why you kept Taysom Hill around, um, but I want to get your thoughts on that. And then George Kittle, you found a roster spot uh, for him uh, as well as Logan Thomas, as well as Jordan Reed on this team as well. So you essentially locked up the Niners tight ends. You locked up Logan Thomas and, and then um, went with uh, one defense here. Why was that the structure that you chose for this $500,000 team here? Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, first touching on uh, keeping a Kittle, uh, I felt like if I was going to have a team in the tournament, uh, a team where I had drafted George Kittle, uh, you know, it only made sense to keep him on the roster, not for the potential that he can kind of come back and score me points, uh, but more so because I felt like it was going to be difficult for any team to really uh, make the tournament uh, when your second round pick uh, is injured for a, a good portion of the uh, season. So to me, I felt like that would be sort of kind of a good differentiator uh, in terms of uh, other like lineups. So so that was sort of kind of an easy decision uh, to hold on to him. I felt like, you know, somewhat of a gamble taking up a roster spot, but a gamble that could eventually obviously pay off. And then when it kind of came down to the three quarterbacks, uh, you know, I've always been someone who's wanted to draft and roster multiple quarterbacks. Three is definitely pushing the limit. But in light of COVID, <laughs> I thought uh, yeah. having the third quarterback, especially if that quarterback is one that could uh, – could really, uh, you know, put up top three, top five numbers was uh, well worth it. You know, you also sort of kind of uh, prevent other teams from picking up uh, those players. uh, And that way uh, you're not, uh, you know, strengthening other teams or allowing other teams to become stronger. So, and I I looked at the sort of kind of the uh, playoff schedule and I felt like, you know, it was just going to be important. You never know what could happen. I mean, you know, if Diggs went down, then, you know, you know, I may have considered starting Tannehill the week before. And and then it also kind of comes down into, you know, if you know, if you do somehow find yourself at the top and you're looking at other teams trying to compare, you know, what other rosters have versus what you have. I'd like to have some options in terms of pivoting. Um, let's first of all, great stuff there. And and I think that, that we can all glean a lot of stuff from that going forward in, in future championship rounds when we take that advice. Um one of the championship rounds will be next year in 2021. Before we can get to it, we have to go through the draft. The draft will be radically different next year as far as the first round goes. We saw Christian McCaffrey, the the 101, the the obvious 101, um, go down and uh, not play very much for his owners this year. Saquon Barkley, same thing. Ezekiel Elliott played, but he was not playing very well over the course of the season. They were the top three. Where do you think those guys go in the first round next season? And do you have any idea of, of what the top of the first round will look like, the top four, five, six picks would be? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great question. It's funny because I think, oddly enough, even though it kind of hasn't settled in that I've, you know, you know came out and, and, and won uh, the FFPC, you know, football, football Guys Players Championship, I've literally the last few days just been thinking about, okay, when do I get the draft again? (laughs) (laughs) It's the most oddest feeling. You know, I took a few days off and like the first thought that kind of came into my head when it came, you know, in, you know, in relation to fantasy football was, okay, you know, you know, when do I get the draft again? You know, who's going to, who's going to be sort of kind of the guy that I, that I, you know, that's my guy that I'm going to reach for, who am I going to try to steal in the later rounds? So, so it's funny that you, you know, you answer that, you know, you ask that question right now, but, 
Uh, as far as next year goes, I think, you know, for me, uh, obviously a lot's going to kind of be dependent on the uh, off season uh, with some of these guys, especially the ones who were injured this year. But, you know, I, I would assume that CMC would be healthy to start the year. And so as long as we see sort of kind of a uh, injury-free uh, uh, off season and training camp, uh, I think he's probably going to be uh, top uh, top of the board, at least for me. Uh, Saquon, uh, that's a tough one. I think, uh, you know, any running back kind of coming off an ACL is tough. Some guys, you know, Adrian Peterson, uh, Dalvin Cook to some degree, uh, you know, some guys have just proven that they are just made from different stuff and they can come back that one year after. Cooper Cup did it. Um, and so I think a lot will kind of depend on what he looks like in training camp. Uh, as in terms of whether or not he'll be sort of kind of in that top five. But I think taking him top three overall would be tough. And then as far as Zeke, you know, Zeke is an interesting player uh, because I know a lot of, you know, I think a lot of a large amount of the fantasy community wants to see Tony Pollard, you know, take the take the helms and, and, and sort of kind of take over. And I, I just don't think that that's going to happen. Uh, I'm probably more of a Zeke guy, but that offense took a lot of hits. You know, it took, you know, hits on the, you know, offensive line, obviously with Dak, which I think was huge and can't be understated. And so, you know, I'm thinking to myself, if this team gets healthy and by all accounts, Dak should be ready to go at the beginning of the season, uh, all weapons returning, uh, including Blake Jarwin, uh, you know, what's to say that Zeke can't perform like he was performing uh, you know, before Dak got hurt, which was, you know, basically a top three or top four, top five running back. So I think, you know, he may end up being a value. I, I doubt that his ADP falls within that top five, but he may be a value sort of kind of in the mid to late uh, first round. But, you know, who sort of kind of takes their place? Uh, I mean, obviously, I think we see Dalvin Cook, uh, you know, the injury risk and scare is always there. But I mean, he's just been a beast and points per game. I mean, there's, you know, it's tough. He's, he's tough. He'd be tough to pass on in that top three, top four. Uh, but I think you see, you know, some interesting names start to kind of creep into the conversation. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, for one. I mean, uh, you know, just watching him play and sort of kind of watching his maturation and progress throughout the year. I mean, you know, kind of labeled as a bust in the first half of the year, but has just finished the, finished the year so strong. I mean, he just looks so much more comfortable in terms of uh, his vision, in terms of his game speed. Uh, and so, you know, we see sort of kind of, you know, not much change with that offense uh, next year. And I could, you know, you could easily make an argument for him being number one, especially given the division that he plays in. I mean, he's not facing any tough run defenses likely for a good majority of the schedule. So you could easily make, I think, a, 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 a case for him at number one. What about how high does Travis Kelsey go next year, given how the tight end position turned out this year and how good Kelsey was for his fantasy owners? You know, I think Kelsey just gets forgot about every year, you know, and, and, and myself included. You know, it's so hard to pull the trigger on a tight end that early with the thought process that you could take a stud running back. Um, you know, so I think he still kind of, you know, maintains his position in the mid to late rounds. Uh, you may see him sort of kind of creep you know, you know, go, you know, maybe uh, five, six. But I think, you know, as sort of kind of draft, as draft season progresses, I think you start to see his ADP falls. I think that's just generally what happens to tight end, tight ends. You know, certain guys get sort of kind of talked up and, you know, ADPs rise, you know, especially running backs, their ADPs will rise. And, you know, you know, it happened, we saw it happen to guys like, you know, Miles Sanders and Kenyon Drake and, and, and those types of guys. So, as a result, I think you see guys like uh, like Kelsey fall. Question two will be, you know, where does Devontae Adams go? You know, does he replace yeah. Michael Thomas as well? Uh, and, you know, Michael Thomas was one of the guys that I faded this year uh, and faded in the sense that, you know, uh, you know, from his ADP. Obviously, if he was there at, you know, 12, I was, you know, going to take him. But otherwise, you know, I, I, I honestly had Devontae Adams as sort of kind of my number one, just given the uh, target volume and, kind of looking at his schedule. Uh, But, you know, where is he going to go next year? I think, you know, again, for me personally, just based on sort of kind of how I draft, you know, I'm typically looking to sort of kind of, you know, sure up on running back and then, you know, play the game with wide receiver a little bit later, just given how deep the position is. 
Um, when you look back on this season, uh, and I know you drafted multiple teams, so obviously this will be an easier question to answer. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe it won't be. Um, who's a player that you were right on, either as far as fading, um, like Michael Thomas, for instance, I think would be a good answer here. Um, a, a player you're right on fading, or a player that you were right on investing a lot in. And then um, a player maybe that you wished you would have had more shares of, or a player you felt like you had too much of this year. Yeah, that's a good question, uh, and, and it's a tough one to answer because this uh, there's been a lot of ebb and flows uh, throughout the season, you know, especially you know when it kind of comes down to the rookies. So I'm gonna kind of I guess I'm gonna kind of answer this question, you know, in general. You know, I think I made a mistake in terms of how aggressively I faded some of the rookies, in a you know in a sense that you know at some point players all players hold some value and are a value in drafts. Uh, and there were definitely some drafts where players like Jonathan Taylor fell late fourth round, and I think even some drafts where he was there in the fifth round, where I decided, you know, you know what, I'm really trying to avoid rookies this year. I think they're going to start off slow, and I think it's going to be an issue, uh, you know, with no training cap, et cetera. And, you know, where it made sense to fade them in the early rounds because it kind of cost you quite a bit of games. And, you know, if you were fortunate enough to make the tournament, you know, it was by sort of kind of probably by the skin of your teeth. I think it really kind of hurt me in some drafts where that would have been a nice player to have, you know, down the home stretch. You know, him, Swift, uh, and then even kind of going towards the wide receivers. I mean, uh, Justin Jefferson. I mean, I, I, I had zero shares of Justin Jefferson. And even after the first blow up, you know, I just sort of kind of chalked it up to, OK, you know, one hit wonder or or not even necessarily one hit wonder, but, you know, a guy who is probably going to you know be very volatile throughout the season. And, you know, him, you know, Brandon Ayuk, uh, I mean, there was just so many rookies this year that I think excelled in ways that I just, you know, did not, uh, you know, really, uh, you know, take into account, uh, you know, the wide range of possibilities, including that and. And those players where I could have gotten tremendous value. I mean, Brandon Ayuk was free in a lot of drafts this year, as well as Justin Jefferson. And, you know, sometimes you just got to sort of kind of, you know, uh, you know, put your sort of kind of thinking to the side and realize, okay, this guy's a value here. Uh, You know, I may not necessarily agree with the market in terms of where his ADP is going, but given the wide range of possibilities, you know, I have to sort of kind of consider his top end as well. So rookies were definitely, uh, uh, I think, a miss for me this year. I think a lot of people missed on rookies. I mean, like myself included, I I kind of cringed, you know, when I was clicking on that draft button mm-hmm. and in an online draft, like, oh, God, I'm taking this rookie yeah. here. There's no preseason, no, no, you know, it's just yeah. – and, and it worked out for – I mean, it didn't work out for everybody. See, all mm-hmm. the people that took Jerry Judy – but, you know, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk, it certainly worked out. It's it's part of the, the, the craziness that is fantasy football. You just never know. Um, I don't know if you're going to get any spots in the world-famous FFPC Playoff Challenge coming up here in about a week and a half. But if you were, Abib, and if, uh, I mean, we know roughly about half the teams that are already in the playoffs. We have a pretty good idea about the other teams that, that probably will make it. Is there a guy that you know that if you were going to jump in, is, is there a guy that you know that you would fade and, and then another guy that perhaps, you know, you would be looking to, to add on your teams? Yeah, that's, that's tough. It's a tough question to, uh, you know, answer, obviously, without the uh, seating uh, set because uh, you really want to kind of get a good sense of uh, matchups and, and, and sort of kind of who you think is going to be able to advance and play as many games as possible. Uh, but, I mean, I guess just off the top of my head, uh, I, I could probably answer this question, you know, with one player. Uh <laughs> Uh, and that's probably Travis Kelsey. You know, he'd probably be a player that I would try to get in as many lineups as possible, but also, you know, depending on how many lineups I played, try to get, you know, a good amount of lineups without him as well. Because he's going to be the obvious chalk player in my mind. I think even if you don't sort of kind of realize it up front, I think when you sort of kind of go through the bills of, you know, the potential tight ends that you could uh, lock in in a tight end premium league, I mean, there are not going to be many names that are going to be able to uh, stand up and compare to Kelsey in terms of what he offers. So I think he's going to be sort of kind of an easy player to kind of click in and lock in. Uh, And, you know, you may need him to just kind of compete with the field. But, you know, 
because many of us who play DFS know, you know, sometimes it's good to, uh, uh, you know, to sort of kind of uh, fade uh, the chalk and, you know, in hopes that, you know, somehow, some way that, you know, maybe a team decides to double team him. You know, I don't think Belichick is, Belichick's obviously not coaching in these playoffs, but, you know, maybe, you know, they, maybe they play Miami and maybe Miami decides to, you know, uh, double bracket Kelsey, take out everyone else, and then, you know, kind of, you know, uh, you know, shade some coverage over to, to Tyreek Hill. And, uh, you know, we may see a situation where maybe Kelsey, you know, does not excel the way he has in the uh, regular season. Uh, so that I think that would be an interesting player to, to sort of kind of fade, assuming that he's just a uh, massive chalk. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, it, it, you know, it's tough. I mean, definitely, you know, Devontae Adams, I think, um, is a player that uh, may find his way onto a lot of my rosters. But in the same respect, you know, I guess I'm kind of hedging with uh, with, with some of these calls, uh, you know, given that he'll probably be uh, have a high ownership, you know, you know, you know, pivoting to someone maybe like an Aaron Jones or even maybe an A.J. Dillon who would come in under very low ownership, maybe an option as well. Um, yeah, Dillon's Dillon's going to be interesting, I think. Keep going. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I honestly that, that was I've been like literally thinking about that all day. So to answer your question, I'll probably <laughs> have a couple teams. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was just, you know, watching that game. And again, that's another rookie who's just, you know, started off very slow, took an, kind of an injury to Jamal Williams for him to kind of get his chance. But you saw the team really wanted to get him the rock. And I think that's, you know, kind of going off topic a little bit. It's, it's kind of subtle things like that that really, you know, I try to pick up on and you can only get by like watching these games. And if you're fortunate to be able to watch as many games as possible, watch as much film as possible, you just start to kind of pick up on these things without even knowing it. it it's hard for you not to watch that game and not to feel that Green Bay is going to have an RBBC next year if Aaron Jones is still on this team. A.J. Dillon is going to be a force next year if, you know, uh, you know, or likely next year. And so heading into the playoffs where Green Bay is likely to have home field advantage throughout, you know, playing likely in the cold weather and snow, you know, yes, you know, Rodgers and Devontae will get theirs, but you can easily see them trying to close out games or trying to, you know, really make sure that they uh, established a run and what, you know, who better to do that with, with than a big bruiser like A.J. Dillon. So who may eventually end up taking over the goal line carries too as well. So, so that, that's definitely an interesting uh, player uh, to pivot to. Uh, and so I can see myself, you know, if I, you know, my Kelsey teams, you know, if I want to uh, differentiate myself, I go, you know, maybe a Dillon there or, or, you know, an Aaron Jones or someone there, and then the non-Kelsey teams, and, you know, obviously I may I may play it a little bit safer and go Devontae Adams. So. You know, and, and you bring it up for 2021, too. If the Packers don't pay Aaron Jones what he feels he's worth and some other team comes along, pays him a lot more money, they take him off Green Bay, and Green Bay decides to use those funds to sign Jamal Williams instead. Now you're going with a one-two punch of A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams next year. Given what we saw against Tennessee, Man, A.J. Dillon's ADP could get crazy next year. All the things that we will be looking forward to in 2021. Abib, I never asked you this last year because I never get a chance to speak with you on the air um, after you won the Football Guys Players Championship the first time. But what did you do with the money last year, and what are your plans to do with it this year? Uh, yeah, you know, I, honestly, I'm, this is a terrible answer, but you know, no real plans. <laughs> I think last year. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. You listen. You're still floating on air until your toes touch the ground. Yeah. You're not really obligated to answer this question. Yeah. No. You know, last year, you know, you know, gave a bit away. Uh, you know, uh, gave some. You know, a little bit to you know, you know, you know parents and, and and some family members. Uh, and uh, you know, this year we'll probably do a bit of the same. Uh, but the you know a lot you know a good portion of it went to investments and, and things like that. I you know. In terms of kind of like buying a car or you know something extravagant like that, uh, you know probably not. Uh, <laughs> you know I, I probably don't, you know I don't kind of put too much thought in into into any one you know one thing that I just have to have or one thing you know one thing I'm going to spend a large sum of money on. So yeah, you know, mostly investments and uh, you know some stuff here and there. That said, if if anybody sees a, a brand new Bugatti rolling down the street, <laughs> we, we know 
We know where that money came from. And I'm clear I'm going to have some family members that are going to hit me up after this podcast. You just said you gave away some money to that. I was like, I didn't, I didn't get any of that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I might, we may have to edit that part out. We'll see how, how it, how it goes. Um, listen, man, you have been incredibly gracious with your time tonight. I, I know this has been, like you said, a whirlwind of events for you this, this week. And I'm glad you made some time, uh, for the listeners to, to kind of share your experience with it and, and talk about about what it was like to go. I mean, insane, just back to back. And I guess the plan is to be right here, same day, uh, same time next year. We'll be talking about how you did it three years in a row, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Not a doubt, not a doubt in my mind. <laughs> All right, dude. You congratulations again. Enjoy the money, and uh, and and I hope uh, that that uh, you have a very happy new year, which I think you will. And uh, well, uh, good luck in drafting next season, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you again soon, man. Thank you, Eric. Thank you very much. I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you for listening to the High Stakes Lowdown, a Rotoviz podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Players Championship. And thanks to Grapes for our theme music. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the Rotoviz radio feed. It helps us find new listeners. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you think. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the show by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new health care regimen, including EE system.